Robert. Yeah. Are you doing the opening welcome to whatever? Go for it, Tracy. <clears throat> cheap Talk 64. Tracy and Robert talk about Cheap Trick's new single, Light Up the Fire. It's time for some Cheap Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheap Talk. Hello, hello. This is Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, and you're listening to Cheap Talk. I'm your host, Robert Lawson, the author of Still Competition, The Listener's Guide to Cheap Trick, which is still available on all Amazon sites. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Yishulis. You got it. Hello, hello, hello. All right. Great to have Tracy back, of course. And today we're talking about uh, the new Cheap Trick single, Light Up the Fire. Now, we want the listeners to know that we'll only be playing bits of the song as a sample. We're not playing the whole track. This is for discussion purposes only, and we want you to support what you love and buy Cheap Tricks music. Right, Tracy? Absolutely. So, Light Up the Fire is uh, the single that's been released digitally from their upcoming album, In Another World, which is slated for release on April 9th. You've heard the song a few times by now, I imagine, Tracy. Oh, yeah. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. You know, we don't get a new Cheap Trick song too often anymore. So let's look into this. It's a short song. It's real quick. It's just under three minutes long. And it opens with very distinctive 12-string bass from Tom Peterson. Um, I love Tom's bass playing. I love it when he plays the 12-string. He doesn't always, in the studio... The 12-string is always played live, but in the studio, he changes it up. So, But on this, we are hearing the 12-string bass intro. What were your first thoughts on hearing the song, Tracy? Well, I thought... Wow, I love that bass intro. I love hearing it as well. And I thought it was a great way to open up the song. Yeah, it was great. I was like, yes, it's Tom Peterson, classic Tom Peterson. That's my, that was my first thought. Yeah, it's a real strong reintroduction. So it, it's like if you haven't heard anything that Cheap Trick's done for the last couple of albums or maybe you didn't even know that they were still around or anything, as soon as you hear it, you know that Tom's there, you know that... Like, as you say, that real distinctive 12-string bass uh, sound. So I think it's a great reintroduction for people. And uh, there's another element of the song that I'm going to touch on, a, a similar issue. Um, but yeah, great. Uh, you know, they kick off with uh, Tom on 12-string bass. And then it just goes into this pounding, high-energy rocker. Crashing um, drums. To, like It just crashes right in with the drums. And I, I, of course, am a fan of the drums, so I love that also yeah it's nice to hear them you know at this advanced stage of their career and at these advanced ages of most of them to come out with a real 
rockin' tune. You know, it's not a mid-tempo, it's not a ballad. This is no-holds-bar rock and roll. And it's got a similar feel to, you know, the stuff on uh, the last album, We're All Alright, from 2017. Uh, of course, everything these days are produced by Julian Raymond. So uh, it's a very live-off-the-floor feel to it. Absolutely. Gives yeah, me hope. <laughs> Right, yeah. Well, sure. That's that's the thing. This is what a lot of us want from Cheap Trick. You know, we can talk about their. They've got great ballads. They've got great mid-tempo tunes. They've got this power pop uh, thing. Even though I hate to use that phrase, if I can help it, but this is hardcore rock and roll. And I oh, I've thought for many years that they don't always get considered as kind of a real rock band because of some of their popular hits and some of the ballads that they've had success with. And uh, I like to remind people that this is a, you know, four-man rock and roll group at its core. So the other element I was going to mention, which is also kind of a throwback, is a lot of the older songs, they used to do this thing, and I always refer to it as like a dreamy aside or a dreamy excursion, you know, where so that you have a rock song like Hot Love, and then, you know, there's that middle part of mm. why won't let you let me inside of you, you know, where it kind of gets into this really airy, dreamy kind of thing. And then they snap right back into it. They also do it in stiff competition. Uh, it's in um, If You Want My Love. It's a reoccurring thing that like Rick does in these songs. So now, no matter how fast or hard or heavy they are, he's got to have this little brief moment of lightness to kind of uh, contrast with it. And then it goes right back into straight rock and roll. So on this song, it's brief, but it happens a couple of times. It's the pre-chorus, which is, um, you know, the lyric starts turning it around. So every time you hear that, it kind of has a bit of a lighter moment. And then right into the chorus, which is really rocking again. So to me, that's a real nice element, again, of taking stuff from their past, the stylistic ways that they used to do things, and bringing it into 2021. Right. I love that little transition there, pre-chorus or whatever you want to call it. It just it fits perfect. I don't know. The words, of course, crack me up. I, I love the words because anytime it's remotely you know, questionable with Rick's lyrics, I love it. But it's just the way it goes, you know, crashing into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, like slows down and then bang right back into it again. I love it. And I, I thought it was great that they did it more than once. Right. And that's, that's what makes it so effective um, yeah. because it, it is such a contrast between the rest of the song. And like I said, if, if, if you're not sure what I'm talking about when I refer to a dreamy aside, listen to Hot Love, listen to Stiff Competition. Both of those songs have great examples of this. And then you'll see that in this song, uh, Rick, I assume it's his decision, is uh, is doing it again. Now, you mentioned the lyrics. Uh, yep. <laughs> a, a, line that, a line that I really liked in this one. And, you know, we yeah, we have to talk about their lyrics. So, you know, Rick can be funny. He can be sarcastic. He can be obscure. But I do like that, you know, there's a line, are you looking for heaven or a hell of a time? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's just a you know a really a really good turn of phrase there. Um, 
really he's good really stuff. He's really good at that. He is. He's really good at that, and he's really good at making you wonder what the heck is he talking about. You know what I mean? Like he can be so vague, but not at the same time. If that makes any sense, I don't know. But he does it a lot. There's so much innuendo. Yeah. Also, in a lot of his stuff, I I love his songwriting. Always have. I don't think he gets enough credit, probably as a lyricist. Maybe because it's hard to pin him down. Part of it could be uh, the stage outfits that he wore in the seventies. Could be. But yeah, when if you look at lyrics, you know, like "Daddy Should Have Stayed in High School" and then "Mandicello" and all these like crazy songs, he's all over the place. Yep. Because he can, you know, downed. You know, he can do a great ballad like "Downed," but then you know, even like "Southern Girls" and "Big Eyes," they they're not. His lyrics are never just a straight ahead. You know, boy loves girl, girl loves boy thing. He's no. got a, this weird twist to it, and this weird, <laughs> uh, you know, very unique way of looking at things. And the way that he expresses it lyrically, I think, is uh, really interesting. And like I say, I don't think he gets enough credit for it. No, and I don't think he gives himself enough credit for it either. Oh no, he's terrible for that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, somebody just posted again, and you know, he says this quite often that like we're everybody's fifth favorite band right <laughs> yeah, like everyone so. everyone loves the stones the beatles the you know and this that and the other thing and then cheap trick are, are always number five come on man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he's definitely not vain that's for sure <laughs> no or he well or he he hides it under false modesty maybe i don't know yeah maybe one never knows with him yeah you have yeah. to take almost anything he he says with a grain of salt that is true so speaking of Rick, two things here I was going to mention that uh, the guitar solo is very brief. It is kind of a typical Rick solo in that it's very noisy. It's kind of ramshackle. It's all over the place, which is, you know, how he plays live, you know, where he's jumping around. And, you know, you're lucky if he if he hits the strings half the time because he's, uh, you know, really just jumping around and, and having a good time. I wasn't totally surprised that in a song under three minutes that the guitar solo was so brief, but I was a little surprised that we don't hear any of Rick's crummy backing vocals <laughs> on the song. <laughs> and I only say that they're crummy because that's how he refers to them, you know, because he's always a little out of time with Robin and, you know, especially live. But uh, that's one of the things we love about Cheap Trick. I love it when uh, Rick is singing a lot of backing vocals. You know, some of the stuff that he did on the Silver concert was fantastic. Um, I love him as a backing vocalist because, you know, Robin is almost like a case study in perfection. And if the backing vocals were also perfect, it would almost be like too good. So having like a, you know, it's like when Keith Richards or Ron Wood sing behind Mick Jagger you know, it's nice to have kind of a, a looser kind of style. And I was really expecting Rick to, I was surprised he wasn't singing on the first chorus. And then I thought, well, they're going to save it for the end where we're going to really get some great Rick Nielsen uh, backing vocals. And it just never happened. So yep. I'm a little surprised by that. I uh, Maybe that'll be different when they do it live. Perhaps he does. He does do those quirky little half in half out back backup vocals live a lot if sure. you know what i mean like he he leans into the microphone for a hot second and then like pulls his head back before he's even finished so it's sort of just a little half in kind of thing yeah I'm, i can imagine he would do that live for this song also well 
you know, you, you, you bring up a point that I, I want to make sure that we kind of got to, which is this is the only version of the song that we've heard at this point. So, yeah, it could definitely evolve when they get back to playing live, and hopefully they'll be doing this one live. Uh, I always want them to play as much new material live as possible. And, uh, you know, an example I guess I would use was in 2008 when they released that also a digital single called Summer Looks Good on You. And I thought it was okay. I wasn't wild about it. You know, it was new cheap trick, which I was happy to hear. But, uh, you know, it didn't blow me away or anything. And then I saw them perform it that summer. I was lucky enough to hear a performance of it live. And hearing a song called Summer Looks Good on You in an outdoor amphitheater, you know, setting. Uh, It was a beautiful summer day in Toronto. You know, the sun just going down. People are enjoying themselves, being outside in the fresh air. It really worked in that environment. So the context in which we experience the songs can change our view of the songs. Absolutely. Well, isn't uh, I Want You to Want Me a perfect example of that? Because if you listen to the studio version, you're like, wow, really? (laughs) And then then you hear all the live versions, you're like, oh, okay. You know, uh, yeah, (laughs) it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important for, for bands to play new material live because... I think Springsteen once said that until you perform a song for an audience, you're not done writing it or a song's not done until somebody hears it, you know, and, and you're right. I, I mean, um, listen to Gonna Raise Hell off the Dream Police album and then check out the music from uh, for Hangover's version. Right, <laughs> it right. really takes it into <laughs> other areas, you know. So uh, I really look forward to to hearing this one live. I I really hope that it uh, becomes a part of the set when they're ready to uh, go back on the road. You know, it's funny you said about, uh, you know, hoping to hear more of the new stuff. And I read an interview very recently where Tom said that he heard that fans don't want to hear the new stuff. And I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> right. I mean, I get that there is a core group of people who only want to hear the songs that they're familiar with. But I think that that is like the most furthest from the truth statement that he could have made, at least from this fan. And a lot of the fans that I know, we want to hear everything, including the new stuff. <laughs> of course. And that, you know, that well, that's something that's changed in the concert industry. And I've talked about it with friends of mine and we can't kind of quite figure it out you know like it used to be that if if you heard a radio broadcast by a band or something you could actually tell what tour it was from based on how many songs they were doing from the most recent album at that time right you know so if i played you a a recording of of kiss and they're you know doing four songs off psycho circus you know that that's the psycho circus tour and that's always been the way and now it's not like that anymore now uh these bands just do these greatest hit shows Mm mm-hmm and I'm told all the time by friends and, you know, uh, customers of mine that, uh, well, you know, for the money I'm paying, I, w- I want to know what I'm getting or I want to know what I, uh, you know, and there's certain songs that a band has to play. They absolutely have to play, you know, this hit and that hit. And I don't buy any of that. I don't think, uh, I don't think it matters. Um, and, you know, proof positive would be there's this new live album from The Whiskey in 1977. And it doesn't include Dream Police. It doesn't include The Flame. It doesn't include all these, you know, a lot of these songs that people insist. It doesn't even include Surrender. Uh, It doesn't include a lot of the songs that people insist that if Cheap Trick don't play, it's not 
you know, a good concert. Right. And yet this Whiskey 77, people are like losing their minds. because Exactly. It's, like, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good that right. people are literally just losing their minds. Like unbelievable, you know, yep. how, how great it is. And I've never, I haven't read a single post on social media. I haven't read a single review that says, that's eh, pretty good, but really wish, you know, they done don't be cruel. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. Right. People are just like going, wow, they, you know, they're, they did this. And, they, you know, they're actually remarking about how many of their amazing songs are on it that you never hear anymore. Exactly. Um, and, of course, there's always that handful of people who are like, man, they should have played that, you know. But it, overall, the bulk of of their fan base are, are just that. Like, wow, they, I can't believe they played this and it sounded incredible, you know. Yeah, and I guess yeah, you maybe could question, and and this isn't directed at Cheap Trick. This is directed at basically anybody <laughs> touring with that kind of mentality. Paul Stanley, I'm looking at you. <laughs> it, in that, why would you need to cater to? Maybe this is a separate show. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But why would why would you have to cater to the casual fan who? Yeah, they're gonna get up and dance during you know the one hit song that you play. Instead of taking care of the hardcore, you know, people who are there who have been supporting you for like 40 years and have, you know, basically put your kids through school and stuff. Right, and who hungrily buy every single thing that they can get their hands on, even whether they think it's good or not, because it's that it's cheap trick or, or whoever, um, you know, as, as opposed to the casual fan. Oh, I heard that a lot on the radio and, and you know, I... I hung out with my boyfriend during that song a lot. That's why I like it. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to go out and buy every piece of merchandise that's out there just because they like that one song. You know, we're the nut jobs that go out and buy every single thing we can get right. our hands on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't, you know, of course the touring industry is, is very different these days. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen one day to the next. But uh, at some point, if the touring industry does open up again and Cheap Trick, I'm sure, will be a part of it, um, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Maybe all this time off will show them or they'll want to try things a little differently, you know. I mean, obviously, when they do headlining shows, you get a lot more material. Yeah. Uh, and that gives them an opportunity to, to uh, play some deeper cuts. And But, uh, yeah, I would love, you know, a, a show that's, you know, the majority of it would just be stuff off like the last three albums. Right. I, um, it's so unusual to hear anything from those albums really anymore. Uh, it would be great. Well, you know, it's a weird thing that people, well, say even with this new album. So they've been talking about singles for a while. And, and I, I read a lot of these posts saying, well, there's no point in them putting out an album until they can go out and tour and promote it. And I always just go, but do they? <laughs> right. Because when they put out an, an album, you know, you're lucky. You might get one or two songs live. But again, that could change. A I lot bet, of people's, yeah. Yeah. you know, prior, priorities have changed over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, we don't know what this new beast, you know. I think it's it's neat that when the Nielsen Trust have been doing these uh, live stream shows, that they're digging deep into the cheaper catalog. Oh, yeah. I, so I, I love it. Jeez, if, if these guys can do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's probably completely off subject, you know, but <laughs> uh, well, who knows? I mean, they've had a lot of opportunity to read what people are saying online because they're home. So maybe they'll take it to heart because I see it a lot where people are saying, you know, even on like the main cheap trick page or whatever, you know, oh, I hope you're playing new stuff from this album. I'm excited. I, I heard a rumor, and I don't know if it's true, but I heard a rumor that uh, there could be another song dropping soon. Yes. Uh, somewhere around the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I, th I believe that is true. I've heard that as well. Uh, so that will be exciting to hear. But one other thing, just to backtrack a little bit about Rick and his guitar, I really liked in the early early in the song there's like a little sneak peek of a of a guitar solo kind yeah. of um and i really liked that too i was like oh already we're gonna get a guitar solo but then it was like nope just a tease yeah and then later on his actual solo which uh, you know people have their opinions about his solos but they're they're unique to him and i i always appreciate them <laughs> oh I sure i love him that he's that he's you know so crazy and jumping yeah, around and and you know, like that really counters the the power pop uh, accusation because yeah. you know his his guitar solo is is more punk rock than anything, right? Uh, you know, because he's all over the place and uh, yeah, I love it. I mean that that that's just part of who he is. So yeah, so in this song, I think we have um, we have a lot of these key elements that we really enjoy, and uh, as as we've said, if you're looking up comments on social media a lot of the fans are really responding well to this track yeah i've seen a lot i have seen really no negative i think we're just you know we're in a time where we we need to feel good about stuff we need to feel good about ourselves and about each other and cheap trick makes us you know do that it, they, they they bring happiness to a lot of people and this is a time that we need it more than ever so um it's great to have them back. And uh, I know it seems like we're all really looking forward to this new album. You know, I like the last couple of albums a lot, but it's like, I'm already, you know, predisposed to love this new album. I'm just so, I'm just so ready to have a new cheap trick record more. So, you know, like I was looking forward to bang zoom crazy. Hello. And we're all, all right. And I like them a lot. I think this record's different. Yeah, it seems it. It seems like it will be different. I almost feel like, and this is just my own personal opinion, I almost feel like this one was done in a way where they could just be themselves completely again. Like, I feel like the other two were good. I, I like them both. I have a lot of favorite songs from them, but I feel like they were more, how should I say it? Um programmed if you will like this is what we think you should do and you should do this and you should do that whereas i feel like this just from hearing this one song it seems more like their natural selves i guess i don't know well we'll find out uh we'll find out soon enough uh, uh you're right uh, i think i believe we're getting another single next week actually i'm not sure when ken is posting this that other single could be out by the time people listen to this story. episode uh <laughs> and then as i said at the top of the show i believe that the album is april 9th you, yeah. you, you'd think i'd know that but um no you're right so so before you know it we're, we're gonna have a, a full album and i look it looks like these are like 12 or 13 tracks on it so it, it is a full record they're not skimping on it no definitely not 
now I'm, I'm curious. There's a couple of titles there that are similar to other titles, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's going to be a, if that's a rework or something, or, or, I don't know. I can't wait to find out, though. It's always so exciting for me, waiting for the day that they drop. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, maybe we'll, uh, when that album comes out, maybe we'll have to get together again and have a little, another wee chat about it. I think maybe we should. Now, is there anything that uh, we didn't cover here that you wanted to mention, Tracy, before we wrap things up? I don't think so. You hit on all the things that I had written down on my notes, uh, especially, you know, that my fa- oh, I mean, I can just say my favorite parts were that pre-chorus transition. Mm-hmm. Love it. I love the whole heavy feeling of it. I love the drums. I love Tom's bass. And I love, I, mean, I love it all. I mean, Robin's voice sounds excellent as always. Rick's quirky guitarness, I always love. Um, it was just, it's its a high quality song. I, I'm excited. I hope the rest are as good or better. And I'm sure they will be. I feel the same way. I, I think, uh, you know, my really, my, my only one regret is, as I mentioned that, Rick doesn't do any of his crummy backing vocals. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, uh, they're hitting on all you know cylinders. This is, uh, I want to mention, this is Dax's fourth album with the band now. Yep. So uh, he's not going anywhere, people. No. It, it seems like he might have let loose a little bit on this, at least on this song also. Yes, I think so for sure. There's, there's definitely a few parts where uh, he has some extra uh, fills right when they're needed, and they yeah. sound great. Yeah, they sound great. So, there we go. That's our uh, that's our story about light up the fire. So, if you can, there's pre uh, sale links where you can pre order it on Amazon. Also, Target. There's going to be for the album I'm referring to. There's also a um, special edition vinyl that's going to be at independent record stores. And, of course, you know, all the regular digital stuff that you can get on Amazon. So hopefully everyone will get out there and pre-order or at least order once it's officially out. Yeah, there's a few different versions. You're right. Uh, There's colored vinyl and I think there's a picture disc and stuff. And this is, you know, a good reminder for uh, people continue to support uh, Cheap Trick by by buying their music. Uh, Hey, continue to support record stores. Uh, we're getting the stuff for you and uh, wherever else you happen to uh, get your cheap trick music from. Yep, absolutely. So I guess uh, one final thing here, Ken wanted me to mention that the uh, cheap talk with trick chat podcast is going to be continuing. There's going to be a lot more uh, content coming for a few reasons. Content's been a little light for the last little while. Ken's been busy with a lot of other projects and Brian as well, uh, who's working on some really interesting projects, um, which we'll talk about that in the future. But uh, there's going to be a lot more content coming. Uh, Tracy and I are going to do some other things. I've got a couple of uh, other ideas that I want to uh, explore on here. In addition, Peter Ciceri. Is that right, Tracy? Ciceri. Ciceri. Sorry, Peter. Tracy had to tell me how to say your name, and I've actually been on his podcast. <laughs> I've actually been a guest on the I Love It Loudcast. So uh, Peter's got some Cheap Trick content that's going to be uh, shared with uh, Cheap Talk. And also our 
old dear friend Ralph Vieira, who of course uh, has the Vieira Vault, and actually Ken, uh, Brian, and I uh, were both on, or all three of us were on Ralph's uh, show a couple years ago, where we talked about like every cheap trick song ever or something. I don't know. It was like a four-hour-long <laughs> endurance test, but um, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun too. So those guys are going to be adding some content to uh, the podcast here. And you'll have Tracy and myself back again, uh, hopefully soon. So I think we're good. I think so. Sounds All right. great. Bye. Take care, everybody. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking.